Underground Podcast. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Here it comes, here it comes. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. W-O-W. Spell backwards W-O-W. It's been quite a while. Today we're going to do a solo cast. Solo cast as in I'm going to just shit talk by myself somehow without stalling. (sighs) Too many ums. And everything else in between the normal parts of trying to talk by yourself in a room. We're not doing the duo today. We're going... We're going, uh, we're venturing alone today. But I think it's because it's been too long, conflicting schedules, and the world in in a spiral. But is the spiral going up, down, left, right? Is it even a spiral? Is it a change? Is Is it the phase before the butterfly, right? Is that what we're going through? Are we just going through a change? Are we at the end of a curve? You know, the cusp. The cusp of something. Is that what that's called? See, I just say words that I think I've heard before that people use in the right way and then I use them in the wrong way. But I think that's the right way. So, I don't even know what episode this is. But I'll find out at the end of it. No video for this one too, by the way. Because who wants to see my ugly fucking mug by myself hanging out? dim lit room with a hoodie on because I don't want to turn the heat on. So let's see. Let's see. We've got to start off as we usually do with business, right? Not so much business because who's getting paid? Nobody's getting paid. Nobody's getting paid. I'm just very grateful, right? Why are you grateful, Harry? Well, I'm grateful for finding a site that lets me post these megabytes of jargon. And for some reason, it took me a long time. I did this a very backwards way for a long time. And, uh, oh, there we go. There's my first, uh. I actually, I forget when I found this, but I found a site called podbean.com. This is where we actually put our podcasts. We only put the audio files up on there. So if you're interested at all for using it for, I guess, really whatever you want to use it for, um, but as the site suggests, you a lot of people use it for audio podcasting, MP3 uploads, all those kind of things. Uh, Podbean.com, it's got um, 50, 50 megabytes of, of memory that you can use. So for these episodes, that's like two episodes, two episodes at 45 minutes, which isn't bad. You know, you can, you can throw up a different site to kind of archive your stuff if you're going to obviously um, save a lot of these podcasts. Or like I like to do, uh, I'll put an audio version up on YouTube. Kind of whatever, whatever social media avenue you want to whore yourself out to. It's you know, there's plenty of them out there. So, um, just throw up a little image on a on a video, and you can throw it right on YouTube. But the nice thing about this is that it's got an RSS feed. That RSS feed goes directly into a, uh, an iTunes account that you make. And I think we can all agree that iTunes is probably the most popular. Probably the most popular interface people use for downloading 
anything, whether it's music, new podcasts, I think audiobooks now, kind of anything, anything in the format of just um, audio. So that to me was huge because using that RSS feed, you can... It, can, it, it comes right off of podbean.com. And then other things that you can connect to that iTunes account are other interfaces that you can put your podcasts on, like Stitcher and, other, and a couple other ones too. A lot of them really. So just having that one RSS feed that's designated for your site, it kind of does all the work for you. You, you, make, your, you, 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 you make your MP3, you throw it up there, and once you throw it up there, it just signals it to go into all the different interfaces that you want. You know, so you have different platforms that people can listen to uh, listen to your stuff. So, and the the biggest thing really is that it's dirt cheap, so cheap that it's almost stealing, almost stealing in the sense that it's free because it is free. You don't have to pay anything, and that's good, and that's why I like it. Those are my favorite things, not things that I steal, but things that are free. I might steal a few things, I don't know, but most things that are free. So you don't pay for any of this, you can just go up on there, you can be Joe Schmo, do whatever you want, not pay a dime, and, you know, kind of get your stuff out there, which is nice. So podbean.com, check it out, you won't regret it, it's nice, you can upgrade yourself to uh, a little more memory, but, you know, in the beginning, you know, just use the free stuff. You know, who's, who, who's, to, who's to say you're even going to enjoy doing this for a while, you know? Maybe you will, you know? Or maybe you will, and you'll take breaks and, you know, sit on your ass a lot of times like I do, and then come back to it and go back and forth, you know? Life is like a bunch of waves, you know? Up and down, left and right, you know? It fluctuates, so. Um, try that. Try that. Podbean.com. It's a wonderful thing. It's great. You know, if you if you like to talk too much or you think you have an opinion um, that you just can't keep to yourself and you think somebody wants to listen to you, which they probably don't, it's the perfect place for it. Next thing, and there's usually only two, um, they're more so like endorsements, more so like things I like to promote. Obviously, the platform we use for the podcast and another thing that i think we, we've promoted before and we keep kind of pushing it and i think it's really important and it's not to say that this is the only place that you can go um, for this kind of stuff but i think right now with the kind of landscape that we're sitting in i think it's gonna i think this is going this type of thing is going to be very vital and more essential in the future when it comes to how you get your information and um it's a website. It's another website called The Intercept. Theintercept.org, I believe. And this is a neat site because this was actually a site that was made by Jeremy Scahill and Glenn Greenwall. And I think a lot of people know Glenn Greenwall as the journalist who worked for The Guardian uh, out in, I think it's uh, in England. The Guardian, which is an um, online magazine news source. And he was the one that broke all of the Snowden information so you know yada 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 time went on after all that after all that stuff went down and he decided to start his own news um his own news site 
And this funding was funded by, I believe, the founder of eBay, which is good because the, the, the big thing that you want behind somebody who will financially back you a lot of these things is to find somebody who doesn't, um, doesn't have so much of a political angle or agenda or anything like that because I think we've heard a lot about just that idea, that idea that certain news outlets and networks and things like that a lot of the higher-ups, a lot of the, um, the financial backers of these things, they all kind of want something in return or they want to push a certain type of idea. And, you know, that's, that's, not a, that's not a good thing for the common person who just wants to look up news and will get inundated by um, sites that always lean towards giving you one side of the story. You know, there's always going to be two. That's not to say one side isn't the right side, but you should be able to kind of um, either hear both sides or um, hear um, a, a real thought-out ridicule of the opposing side, you know? Um, so, I mean, that's, to me, these sites and a lot of other sites are going to be very important right now because I think it was, what was it? I think it was couple days ago that I had just watched the new episode of the John Oliver, um, that little half hour show that he has on HBO. And, you know, I went into this whole thing because right now we're in this era of this new alternative fake news um, stuff where this is now in the forefront of how we discuss things politically, or we just throw these words out when uh, we feel people are wrong. You know, oh, this is fake news. Well, we're using alternative facts. You know, like, it's it's a strange thing. It's scary. It's, um, I've never heard of this before. I thought it used to just be the truth and then the lies, and now we can accept the gray when the gray has a lot of bend to it, which is now called alternative facts. You know, it's it's weird. So, I mean, in the end of this episode, he's talking about how um, some of the big things that we need to do, which I guess for a lot of us might sound like they're um, it's common sense and a lot of people have done this, but a lot of people haven't, and some people feel that they have, but they haven't done it to, to the great depth that I guess it deserves, which is really researching the news. If you so choose to want to know about something, um, especially when it comes to uh, anything that has to do with this political arena, especially now, you know, it's really important to kind of cover your bases and look at the journalists who are putting these out. Who do the journalists, journalists um, work for? If they allow sources, who are these sources, you know? But it's like, you know, every time you read something in a headline or even the article itself, I mean, who wants to go about it like it's, you know, a college class where you need to really dig just to find out what's going on in this one story? Nobody has that time. And I think that's what the, that's what the great power of some of this quick zapping strobe light type of media that just gives you headlines and then the next and then the next and then the next you know it understands that people have such a such a small window of wanting to get informed because of circumstances you know because of just life 
working and all the things that we like to put in life, like enjoying it, you know, that's, that's a big one, and responsibilities, who's going to sit here, um, you know, with a swinging light over their head trying to figure out what the fuck's going on in this world by vetting every single news source and looking this up and looking that up, you know, we can't all be our own Snopes website, you know, that's, that's, that's going to take forever and it's, and it's not going to be healthy for you. But, you know, just I guess the idea of kind of checking yourself as you're trying to check something you're reading is, is a good idea. And, um, you know, there's just a lot of examples of, um, of just being misinformed by kind of taking uh, the, the first thing that's given to you, you know. You just, it's, just, it's just an idea of kind of questioning your, your resources, you know. And I, and I think that we have been doing that and or a lot of people have been doing that and I, and, and I know I don't do it as much as I really should nor I guess do I really even want to you know I guess I for myself I just try to narrow it down to um, maybe a couple journalists that I really do uh, enjoy to read and also the idea of accumulating um, different different I guess bullet points of a lot of articles and cultivating at least a decent opinion from those and then also once in a while digging into the very opposite end or the other side of the story when it comes to something right so if you're somebody that loves to read all this um left-wing kind of new stuff I, I would almost think it'd actually be healthy to kind of see and read a decent amount of what's going on on the other side if you read if you read the blue read the red if you read the red read the blue you know but it's it's hard because you know I was having a conversation with uh, a good friend of mine who came to visit and it's it's difficult because we we customize so much of our personal life and in that customization comes how we get knowledge and one of the simplest things are these little like widgets that are on our phone and we don't realize that when you read an article or you like an article or you subscribe to something there's all these little algorithms that help throw more of this similar stuff your way which in turn it's like you think you're getting knowledge you think you're kind of boning up on things and you 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 might be right you definitely might be but this algorithm is customizing this whole thing for you so in the end you're falling victim to this thing that you've probably told other people where you shout out like, oh, you're just, you know, you're, you're just, um, you're in your own echo chamber. All you're hearing are, are opinions that are just like yours and it's just reinforcing your own biases and things like that. When at the same time, it's kind of what ends up happening to us, you know, every little ding on the phone with a news article or whatever that is, you know, it's, it's customized for you. You don't get you don't, you don't get a lot of other things. Whether you think your opinion is right, whether it's super left and you only get left, you know, a lot of truth kind of lies in that gray. And do you, do you follow or even know some of those gray websites or gray journalists that really try to work on having that, those non-biased kind of things, you know, and then match those up to whatever side you're on, right? If that gray matches up with the red or that gray matches up with... Uh, the blue, you know, that's a good way to cultivate a little more of um, your opinion on it. And, you know, it's, 
I think it's annoying as fuck that for some reason, the second I turn this on, I, I go right to politics, you know, but it's like all anybody really talks about right now. And there's one camp that says, let it go, let it go. And then there's another camp that says, no, you need to get involved. There's, you know, there's, there's no other time other than now to get involved and to also, I guess for me in the way that I choose to get involved is to find a way to test my patience when it comes to having conversations and then morphing my opinions about those conversations after I leave them. Because there's a, there's a, there's a, a very weird, not weird, it's a common problem that there's a lot of overreacting. And I don't mean overreacting as in like, ah, oh, I'm, I'm like, what is it? What's, what's the word? I don't legitimize your opinion. I mean the sense of getting getting angry and getting loud and getting uh, abusive in in the conversations that you're talking with people. I mean, talking just with friends and then just saying who you voted for can spark super emotional reactions, you know? And I I just find it so not I guess not strange because I, I guess I do get it, but it's just too bad that this common, this common header of no politics, no religion at the dinner table kind of idea, you know, you can't like, you, you, you just can't talk about those things they're all personal. It's like, uh, how are you not supposed to talk about those things? Those are like the fourth, those are like always at the forefront of kind of where, where, culture gets steered or uh, into or away from you know things like that and in my idea it's like politics are kind of shaped by your culture so that you need to talk about your society and what's going on kind of within it so that you're not surprised when the politics shape around it or against it you know and and that's really important but for some reason we just bite it. We just, we jump on each other super fast. And it's, it's just childish. Like if, if, if you're over, if you're like over 25 years old, which is after your brain is like, I believe fully developed with a lot of different parts to it and your decision-making and all those things, you should be able to have a conversation that doesn't feel like somebody just spit in your mom's face kind of thing. Because that's, that's what it always gets to right away. People are so passionate about what they're against or what they're for that they forget that the person that they're talking to is actually their friend or family member. And just two minutes ago, you were talking about something else and laughing. But now that you've talked about these crazy individuals that you feel represent you, you now have to jump into a camp and put your shield on and defend it to the end, you know? That's like, that's so weird, so weird and like, I guess natural because it's like, it's tribalism, right? And nationalism and, and all these kind of things, but just wanting to, you know, just wanting to feel like you're, you're, you're in it with somebody, you know, I'm, I'm with her, make America great, yabba, jabba, 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 whatever. So, I mean, it's, I don't know, I guess that's, that's my thing and how I trying to get involved. 
is to be able to control myself in conversations because if I can't, then there's no point of having the conversation, you know, and to be able to feed the conversation with a little bit of your own legwork, which is, I think, what this John Oliver episode is talking about, you know, just looking into little things. Um, super long rant, pr- way longer than it should have been. Um, but it's really just to promote that one site, The Intercept. Check it out because they also have a podcast now too. And uh, I tell you what, I bet it's a lot more convenient and has that little tinge of entertainment, which I think everybody needs when it comes to getting the news, right? So if you got a podcast and say it's only 20 minutes long and it's from somebody you really respect and they know how to articulate things really well, I think you'll be more apt to downloading that, listening to that in your car or mowing the lawn or whatever the fuck you're doing, opposed to sitting down and reading these articles and doing all this and doing all that. Like, that's good too, but, you know, how much easier can you get it, you know? Because if these podcasts really break down a lot of what these articles are saying, while all with all the great articulations and nuances that these people know how to use and speak with, then just listen to it, you know, listen to it. I'm sure there's something valuable in that. And it's going to be more, uh, what, is, what is it, palatable, you know, you can so swallow it a little easier, I guess. Because, you know, if, if you don't check yourself right away, the news can kind of like devastate you and make you feel this and make you feel that. And it doesn't need to, you know. There needs to be a reality of separating that you know you're you know that you're bombarding yourself with a certain type of data, and that data can kind of transform you emotionally. Where if you didn't, if you didn't take it in, you know you'd you'd feel good and the, the sun's out and you can't wait to go for that run and uh, you know it's going out for drinks with the friends and stuff like that. Like that's still life, you know. That's still life, and just because you take in this data, that isn't that some would say is very important, that doesn't mean that it needs to mold you into somebody who thinks that someone's going to be knocking on your door ready to uh, deport you, you know, which is a whole nother case in itself now, right? With, with this immigration ban, is it a ban? I think it is a ban. I wish I knew more about it, but, um, you know, just having a good balance, knowing your reality opposed to your imagination, you know, and it's not imagination, but you know, just be careful in taking in your data, you know, because it is valuable to read the news. But if you're susceptible to to having it kind of change your worldview, then that's not good, you know. Either I guess you just can't read the news or you need to work on being able to, to um, I don't know, like to kind of filter it in a way, you know. Filter it in a way so that you, it doesn't feel like it's, it's, it is a danger at your front front door, you know. Because I mean, it's, uh, you know, I talk to, um, I talk to friends and just, you know, people at work, patients and things like that, and a lot of them are a little older, just because I, I work in the medical field and, and it is kind of a weird idea. I mean, it's probably not weird to you and I, but. You know, if you're a little older, the idea that the world isn't as scary as you think it is, maybe it's as scary as it was 50 years ago, maybe. But the obvious, because of the internet 
and the, the transference of, of data and, and, and of knowledge and all of these things. It's, you know, it's, it comes back to that widget thing. If that widget thing was never in your life, you would go about your life as you normally would. But now that you do, it's kind of painted this picture of what the world is like. And if all the news is kind of sad and dungy, then that's kind of then that's kind of what you feel that it is. And it's weird that I I tell people that, and it's kind of a surprise to them. They're like, yeah, yeah, you know, I guess I guess you have you have something there, you know. I guess there there is something that to, to what you're saying that maybe it's just it's a it's a buffet of headlines now where it used to not be. You know, what was it, 100 years or so ago? You and I and everybody, we'd all read the same two, three, four newspapers, probably less, all from the same sources, you know, and we'd get it every day when we'd read these stories and all these things. And, and, and that was it. And it's not like any of anything in there was as happy as as happy-go-lucky. You know, there was a lot of stories in there that are similar to now. But now it's like you get that newspaper constantly every 10 minutes from a hundred different sources you know so it's because we can keep up with what's going on they weren't able to keep up with what was going on before and in a way that kind of brought down that sense of really how much was happening not what was happening but how much was happening and um yeah it's just it's a slippery slope you know it's a super slippery slope but what isn't slippery and what I've, I think I've started way too fucking late in this podcast is some goddamn music. So it's, I forget what the last thing we had on here, but we've had a surge of a lot of killer music at the end. What's today? Today's February. Yep, yeah, February. So I think from November or October till about the beginning of January, we had, um, we had a lot of new releases out, you know, um, at least for what I'm talking about, some, some metal, some real deal shit. Um, and everybody anticipated this whole, this new Metallica CD, which, you know, I guess a lot of people really like, um, I've heard a couple songs and, and they sound good, you know, they, they sound good, I guess, in comparison to what, um, what they released before, you know, just a couple albums ago. And you know, everybody's going to hold it up to some great standard where the band was at its peak, which sometimes I think is maybe unfair in a way. Not totally unfair, but um, unfair still a little bit, you know. How do you, how do you compare this new hardwired CD to an injustice for all, you know, or a master of puppets, you know, where just a perfect combination and just at the perfect time, they just reinvented the, the thrash, just metal aggressive music scene in general, you know, where they, they found a way to make music that felt like it tapped into the, the future, you know, in, in some weird way, because there was nothing like that. There was nothing as polished and crisp and focused as that was. And it's, it's kind of always what I feel like. I feel like when somebody writes 
writes their best CD, it's this. Well, I guess there's a couple different levels, but for them at least, when it comes to just heavy metal and just that style of music, nobody did that. Nobody did that. You know, you could play with other bands like, you know, the Megadeths and the Sepulturas and stuff like that, but to me, these are all derivatives of the peak of Metallica. So it's like, you know, they made the blueprint that a lot of people followed, which means that they somehow tapped into just the future of this sound. And if you can just grab it and make it in the now, it's like everybody's shocked. They've no, they haven't heard this before. This is just, wow, you know, whatever. Um, so anyways, I mean, I guess I, point is, I actually still need to buy that, but there was a lot of CDs that came out. Um, I think, I think I did play the new Megadeth. It was amazing. That was very good. High, high level. But what I want to play now, at least for the rest of this podcast, is, uh, we finally came to a new album from Testament. And I think the last one that they did was in 2012. It was, uh, Dark Roots of Earth. This new one is called Brotherhood of the Snake. We've got, uh, I think it's DiGiorgio on bass, which is the bass player that used to play for Death. And um, for Death, and I, that, that was a big one that I remember. I know he's played for a, a lot of other bands. I can't remember if he played for Cynic, maybe. But I might be getting that mixed up because some of the guys in Cynic played in Death, too. Um. So we got the Giorgio on bass, Skolnick um, on lead guitar on this, and um, what's his name? Hoglin, Gene, right? Gene Hoglin on uh, on um, on drums, which is unbelievable, unbelievable. He did uh, what was he on? He did Fear Factory for a little while. He did Strapping Young Lad. Just super, super precise. Not so much, I guess, maybe technical, but just just really powerful drumming and just really on point and, you know, to some, like, really, really difficult in the sense of just the the stamina that metal requires, right? The, the stamina that, like, uh, what's his name? The drummer from Meshuggah, right? That is incredible stamina. You know, I think there's only a handful of just mimic videos of people trying to play that bleed song. That is the most ridiculous footwork I, I've, I've ever heard. It's almost a joke that, that the song even exists because I don't know how they even keep it up. You know, it's just, it's unbelievable. If you haven't heard it, listen to it. Um, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. But the big part of this. Hold on. Let me just let me just crank this shit real quick. Let's just go with it. First track is called Brotherhood of the Snake. It's the the title track. This is a freaking thrash CD, man. Done very very well. And there's no fillers. Maybe to me there's one, but it's only a filler because it doesn't go 100 miles an hour like the other 10 songs. Um, but let me just get this is bugging the shit out of me. Eric Peterson. Jesus, I should know that. Eric Peterson is the torch in this band right now because he did most of the writing for the last two CDs. He did almost all the writing for this one. Skolnick's a killer at everything that he does, but just the, the, the identity of this CD is definitely lies within um, 
uh, within Peterson because he wrote all the riffs. He, I think he worked with uh, Andy Sneap with this one too, which I think a lot of us, you know, if you listen to heavy metal, Andy Sneap's like an engineer who's worked with all all the, the, the big bands and takes them out too. I think it's... Damn it, I think it's England. He's got his own nice studio out there. Super, you know, the philosophy of just like isolation. You know, bring yourself to a place where no one else is around so that you can really so you can really understand and just pull at your craft to get the best out of you. So, and I think they did. I think they did on, on, on all fronts. It's awesome. Um, Chuck Billy kills it on this CD. Good, good rhythm patterns with his vocals. Um, I like a lot of the um, the lyrics. Uh, there's one song that's like all about like the weed business. That's a little kind of like clunky and goofy with the lyrics. Um, you know, he just he just loves weed. I, I think it saved his life because he definitely had cancer for a while. Um, killer uh, barn burner of a song though. It's a super thrash song, but uh, lyrically it's a little little goofy, little goofy. Um, so if you haven't checked it out, please check it out. Obviously, there's a million places that you can listen to it for free. Um, but if you're not an asshole, you can go and buy it. So go buy it, please. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Where are we at? Fucking Testament. So, Jesus Christ, what do we got left here? Not much time. Not bad for talking by yourself, huh? Um, so I guess just to fit this in real quick, um, and I know I already have. And I don't mean to kind of beat a dead horse, but I think the last time, since the last time we did a podcast, we we got a new president, right? And as and it's been pretty controversial since the beginning, since the beginning of the campaign, since since the whole thing. And it just seemed like such like you know like like usual just such a theater show but man this was extreme it was so extreme and it's you know i don't have enough time to really get into just all of it but the the phenomenon of the whole thing was just so intriguing because you know we we put a guy in in, in office that has no restrictions or filters on what he thinks and his opinions, because I don't think he's 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 placed himself in in a position for almost most of his life where opposition when it comes to the businesses that he has, because he his his claim is that he he builds these things and he just hires good people around him. But are these good people yes men? And you can see that psychologically when you see him speak and things like that. That he comes off as somebody that no one's ever said no to, or no one's ever tried to mold his answer with maybe a better answer, because you'd be opposing him, and that's not going to happen, you know. And uh, it's just crazy because, like that attitude. I mean, we've elected this guy, and he's got this attitude, and he's got, which entails a lot of different parts to it. And at the same time, it was like a perfect storm because this guy has all this money for, uh, to, to his name and to himself, however way he got it, in a successful way, crooked way, legit way, whatever. Um, he, got, he got all this money and that's actually a big piece of why people really thought that he would be 
the perfect threat to the system, right? Because, you know, the couple different camps that think about this, it's that, one, we don't want the, the same thing. We, 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 don't, we don't want that already um, paid and made politician in, in office because we know how that system works with them. You know, they, they do a lot of compromising that they don't tell people and you see it in their policies in the end. And then when you have a guy who doesn't need to gain anything or do favors for anybody to, to, um, to get anything financially, he can kind of just give the middle finger to people. And it's like, that's what we wanted, right? You know, other than the taxing, it's like, you know, don't we wish that, uh, don't we wish we had the, 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 like the heart of Bernie, the brain of maybe Hillary and the, the, the financial backing of Trump. Right. And, and maybe a little bit of that push attitude, you know, because he has an, he has a ruthless attitude that I think is common in a lot of just big business. But, you know, it, it, it feels that politics definitely are a compromise. And I mean that, I guess, in a couple different ways. Right. Um, but it's just such a weird phenomenon. It's just such a perfect storm. You know, it really became just such a perfect storm with a guy that. With a guy that had so many of the qualities that we want and also despise. And it's just so crazy because the, the aftermath of that is, is it, it creates a divide in people's kind of moral compass when it comes to what they think a politician or their president should do. You know, I think, the, I think, I think you've, been, you've been hustled already if you are holding signs for your great savior to think that Somebody is going to affect your life so greatly that like, oh my God, finally this guy's going to be in an office and we're going to be, you know, swimming in a money train soon. Like, no, there's a lot to this world. It's still up to you. It's still up to you. Um, but I do understand that policies can be molded and put through and changed because of this guy. And some of the benefits might be just how certain institutions take advantage of just common citizens, whether it's banks and schools and, you know, uh, you know how, how tuitions are run and, and uh, just, you know, the aspects of debt on society, on individuals, you know, and then workers' rights and just, and, and all of these things. Because I think everybody feels like that, that, that so much of just this work system and political system and uh, everything that's kind of, that we need to run through and, and um, live through that all of it kind of has their thumb on our forehead in a way that makes us feel um, I don't know makes us feel like we're insignificant and stupid and that we can't think things through you know and that and that you know we require bureaucracy to keep track of so many different things you know it's such a it's such a paperwork society that you know, you, 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 you get sick and you shit your fucking bed and you've got like 20 papers you got to fill out when you get back and make sure you have the 10 that you need before you get back. You know, it's, I don't know when that happened, but it's definitely like that now. And, you know, that comes off in a lot of, that can kind of affect you in a lot of different ways, you know? So, I mean, it's just, there's, there's, there's a lot to this machine that I think people thought he was going to be the perfect wrench to. And I think people 
like in in their own desperation mode put aside some of the the moral things that they thought that they didn't that they think that they don't endorse in him for the sake and the gamble of him really rewiring and kind of you know just fucking up this whole thing to the point where in the end it it benefits the people you know because he was a maverick he was a rebel he's he's got his own money he's insane you know but but maybe he's smart because he's rich right you know we have all these associations to success and business people and fucking money and all that and um it's just a weird phenomenon man and is he a con man was this whole thing a hustle i don't know am i ignorant to to the to that i don't think so but it's there's got to be another part to it. Does he wake up every day wanting to fuck you? I, 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 don't, I don't know. I don't think so. Is he an asshole? Is he crazy? Is he a womanizer? Yes. Yes. He, he, yes. He, I, I think he is. I think he definitely is. Right? Um, you know, but I, I, I don't know. It's, there's, there's, there's just a lot of gray, you know? Because Clinton got his dick sucked in, in the actual White House, but, you know, people still love him because of his association to his wife. And the other things that he's done, right? So, and that was in the White House. And I'm not defending anything, but, you know, this guy talks to another guy, doesn't think he's getting recorded, and then he says his, his misogynistic bullshit. Yeah, it's definitely misogynistic. And he's a total piece of shit for thinking that he can do that to women, you know? But y you have to look at the certain contexts before you rant and rave about somebody, and then, um, and then kind of shit on somebody else you know because i think you gotta shit on everybody if you're going to um but i mean whatever that's uh, kind of the, beside the point it was just random shit but it's just yeah i guess it's a weird time again it's um I'm, I'm i'm optimistic about it but it definitely looks scary because of all the people in his cabinet and you know people that never did public education but now are in charge of public education and and you know, like how far states have gone to let their people um, smoke cannabis and turn it into an industry. And now the guy who's in control of all these things has quoted it saying that like bad people, you're only a bad person if you smoke marijuana. And just the things he's talked about, about enforcing certain federal laws, it's just creepy and just... It's creepy and totally against what I think all of us made a consensus on when it comes to where people stand on just topics. It's like you're, you're in our face going against what we've just said. So it's just um, scary. It kind of feels like it's a fucking Black Mirror movie unfolding, you know? Um, but in some sense, I am op optimistic because there, you know, the, the cliche thing is that, you know, sometimes you need you're back against the wall to make certain really drastic changes. And as, as weird and as unfortunate as it may be, some things may need to break. And maybe that's the, maybe that's the great kind of, I don't know if irony is the thing, but what the word is for it. But if we voted him in to break the system, to redo it, maybe him being himself is the way he's going to break it. Not him breaking it intentionally, but just him breaking it in the way that he's going to highlight the, the the toxicity of what can happen in that position and he's going to exploit it and he's going to do it naturally maybe or he's going to do well i don't know he's a total piece of shit but maybe he'll actually get something done 
and that's all you can really hope for, you know? He's not going to tuck you in bed at night, but maybe he'll make your work environment a little better. You know, what do you want? There might be a catch-22 in here somewhere. So, all right. Oh, shit. Episode's over. So, if you listen to this, have fun. Please get the testament. Go to intercept.org. Go to podbean.com. Start your um, start your podcast. And I think if I'm going to do this alone for a couple, I'm going to bring these down to a much smaller time for episodes. Because, fuck, talking for 45 minutes is too much and probably pointless for me so all right guys awesome glad to be doing this hopefully we do some soon i got plenty more to talk about so um yeah enjoy rock on get the new testament